Well, good morning and good afternoon. Um, I began to formulate this talk when somebody asked me, uh, they said, isn't it a contradiction to love oneself when there isn't a self? That felt like a good topic for a talk. And I came across a, a quote from F. Scott Fitzgerald, the uh, US novelist. It goes like this. The test of a first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposing ideas in mind at the same time and still retain the ability to function. One should, for example, be able to see that things are hopeless, yet be determined to make them otherwise. The first part of the quote particularly, I like, the test of a first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposing ideas in mind at the same time and still retain the ability to function. So it's possible to like ourselves while remembering that there is no self. In the Zen tradition, we have a lot of apparent contradictions like this. At the end of Merging of Difference and Unity, which we chant on a Tuesday evening, it ends with, don't waste time. And we always chant it with a certain kind of strength when we get to that last line, don't waste time. Uh, alluding, of course, to our mortality and that at any moment we might pass away and that we absolutely will at some point. And we have the teaching of no birth and no death in the Heart Sutra. Unborn, undying. And we also have the instruction to die in each moment. Each moment, die. Burn completely. Completely burn up in every moment and then fresh, fresh in every moment. These appear as contradictions. Uh, and, and another example would be uh, be here now. Often we, we, the teaching instruction is to be present, just be present to, to the here and now. But Nagarjuna also teaches that there is no now, we can't locate it. There is no here, there is no now. So a lot of our practice is being able to tolerate and hold uh, these teachings that appear contradictory to each other. I don't think they are contradictory. Uh, there's maybe a tendency for us to imagine that there is one solid truth. Just culturally, we, we have this sense that there's a, there are facts that are absolute final facts. But maybe that um, itself is um, just an idea. 
and that everything is actually in flux and we can't land on anything at all. So can, can we like ourselves and remember that there is no self? I like the word like as distinct from saying we should be compassionate towards ourselves or love ourselves. Um, something about like is just so simple. It's kind of uncomplicated just to like yourself. There's something sort of gentle, uncomplicated, to just like ourselves, no, no big deal, not really based on achieving anything, not really based on anybody else's opinion, just a gentle, no big drama, just liking ourselves. And my experience of actually cultivating a sense of disliking ourselves is that we start to forget about ourselves. As we like ourselves more, we don't think about ourselves so much. We're not caught up in trying to justify our existence. We're not caught up in imagining what other people are thinking of us. Um, we're not trying to shore ourselves up out of an anxiety about ourselves, we just sort of like ourselves. Then we're freed up to just notice our surroundings, notice other people, notice what their needs are, trying to imagine what's happening for them and hoping that we can relate to them in a way that will be beneficial. Generally speaking, I think if we cultivate a sense of liking, it, it has an expansiveness to it. Um, it's kind of open, and I think that allows our mind to be a little more curious. And when we're thinking, of, when we're kind of kind towards ourselves, then we can reflect a little bit more on the type of person that we are. How did that come about? How did it come about that we're good at some things and not so good at other things? How did it come about that some things scare us and some things inspire us? Some things we find daunting, some things we find easy. Everybody's got a different kind of combination of these factors. How did that come about? You can just be open to that. And being open to that results, generally speaking, in us noticing all the different things that have happened to us, all the different causes and conditions that resulted in us being who we are. And that also loosens our sense of ourselves as something separate and distinct. It loosens that up. We see ourselves as really just being a kind of a, a constellation of results. It's much lighter. And as we continue that, that process of noticing that we are just a constellation of results based on all sorts of different events that have happened and different people, we can feel more a part of that 
wider community. And that too diminishes our sense of ourself as a separate, um, isolated, possibly even alienated individual. Uh, case 12 from the Mumonkan, the Gateless Barrier. Ju Yen calls Master. The priest Ju Yen called Master to himself every day and answered himself, Yes. Then he would say, Be aware and reply, Yes. Don't be deceived by others. No, no. One thing I like about this koan is it makes kind of quite transparent that we have a dialogue that's going on in our minds all the time. We're talking to ourselves pretty much all day, every day. And this case is kind of bringing that into the foreground. The teacher says to himself, Master, and he replies to himself, Yes. I like that he replies, Yes. He doesn't reply no, he replies yes. It's almost, uh, you can see it almost as just a, a, uh, an attitude of yes, an attitude of inclusion and acceptance. And master, calling out master to ourselves, is also a way of uh, giving agency to ourselves that we are the masters of our own minds in a certain kind of way. We have great uh, capacity to allow ourselves to be affected by others in positive ways. We can take in the teachings. We can turn ourselves towards the light of the teachings and let it transform us. So we can see ourselves as master and say, yes, be aware, yes. Be present, yes. Don't be deceived by others. This don't be deceived by others is, uh, I think, fairly evident that it's not a conventional sense of don't actually let yourself get deceived by others, that that would not be, uh, that would not be a very useful koan point. It would be a very dualistic way of interpreting don't be deceived by others. Don't be deceived by the idea of others. Don't be deceived by the appearance of others. Don't be deceived by the appearance of self. And he replies, no, no, I won't, I promise. So this koan highlights this internal dialogue that we have. And one thing we can do is really um, take the time to notice what our internal dialogues are. And notice, are they kind? Are they gentle? Are they in accord with the Dharma?
And if we notice that we have habits of thinking that are a little bit harsh towards ourselves, then we can we can make a uh, we can we can say to ourselves, I'm, I'm going to work with that. I'm going to see if I can do that less, be a little less harsh on myself. Which is not to say that we don't learn from our mistakes. We can make a mistake, acknowledge our mistake, vow to do better next time, then just let it go. Uh, just recently we had our first full moon precepts renewal ceremony here. And part of that ceremony is that we chant the, uh, the great vows, the ten great vows. And one of those vows is a disciple of Buddha does not praise self at the expense of others. It's a very interesting vow, I think. Um, it's not saying to not praise ourselves. It's just saying don't praise ourselves at the expense of others. So it's also offering us an opportunity to say we should kind of praise ourselves a little bit, like in our own minds. Celebrate our, ourselves. We should celebrate ourselves. I think it would be good to enjoy and appreciate our good qualities and be somewhat humoured by our shortcomings. It's good to have a humorous attitude to our shortcomings. And we work on them. See if we can do a little better. But have a caring and humorous, humorous attitude to our shortcomings. And a sense of celebration about our strengths. The world is better off with us in it. Cultivating that kind of attitude, a kind of a praise. Not a loud praise, just very gentle praise. Another uh, case from the Mumonkan is case 10, Ching Shu's Solitary and Destitute. I think I've spoken on this case a number of times. I, I like it very much. A monk said to Tao Shan, I am Ching Shu, solitary and destitute. Please give, please give me alms. Tao Shan said, Venerable Shu. Ching Shu said, Yes, sir. Tao Shan said, You have already drunk three cups of the finest wine in China, and still you say you have not moistened your lips. Venerable Shu, yes. You have already drunk three cups of the finest wine in China and still you say you have not moistened your lips. I don't know that anybody benefits from someone not liking themselves. But the world benefits enormously from people who like themselves and share themselves 
The world benefits from people who like and share themselves. The obvious examples are artists, musicians and so on. But really any person who genuinely likes and shares themselves is a, is a benefit to the world. I remember when I first uh, learned about the three bodies of Buddha, the Dharmakaya, the reality body, so the emptiness teachings, absolute, all-inclusive, the one bright pearl, Sambhogakaya, the bliss body, the energy body, and particularly when I learned about the Namanakaya, the appearance body, or what I like to think of as the unique body. These are, these are the three bodies of Buddha. It includes the unique body, the physical body of Shakyamuni Buddha, the physical body of each of us, and the particular mind and personality of each of us is the Namanakaya, and it's to be loved and celebrated. So that's kind of our job from today's talk, is to, to accept, celebrate, and just simply like ourselves. And, and in that, we actually start to dissolve ourselves. We become less concerned about ourselves. And our concern turns outward towards other beings because less time is needed to shore up a sense of ourselves. We don't need to spend as much energy trying to defend ourselves and justify ourselves. And if we are doing that, well, we just notice that too and not be harsh with ourselves if we do get a little bit defensive or insecure and start kind of going through a whole bunch of explanations to justify why we did or didn't do something. We can just be gentle with that too. And I think it may be true that if we don't like ourselves, it strengthens our sense of ourself as a separate being and it strengthens our sense of other. When we don't like ourselves, we have a fairly strong tendency to keep imagining what others are thinking of us and we create lots of stories about what others are thinking of us, and we create lots of stories about how we would react to that other person if they said or did something. So it strengthens, it reifies our sense of ourself and our sense of other when we don't like ourselves. And the basic Buddha teaching of the Buddha was that having a sense of a separate individual self is the source of all the unnecessary suffering. It is the source of the restlessness, of the dissatisfaction. So liking ourselves counterintuitively relaxes our sense of ourself as a separate entity and therefore relieves our suffering. And another thought I had about this is that when there's aspects of ourself that we don't like, I think it parallels almost perfectly the degree to which we don't like things in others. 
And the more that we are self-accepting, the more we are self, the more we are accepting of others. So if we see our own shortcomings and we work with it kindly, we don't, we're not complacent. We work with our shortcomings to see if we can improve them, but we're kind towards them. We're equally kind towards other people's shortcomings, less harsh and judgmental with others. I found that to be so in my own life and in people I talk to. Ways to, to cultivate this obviously is Zazen. In Zazen, we can just notice, notice our attitudes towards ourselves and just in our daily contemplation. And we can practice, even if it doesn't quite feel. Um, like we believe it yet, we can practice trying to be a little nicer to ourselves. Notice that nothing terrible happens if we are kind to ourselves. And I just want to finish with uh, an article I saw this morning about a young Japanese man. His name is Shoji Morimoto, and he has a business in Japan of doing nothing in particular and people pay him to just be in their company but not do anything much. So he doesn't make good conversation, he can make a bit of conversation. Um, he won't do anything amazing like pretend to be your boyfriend or something, but he'll just sort of like go with you somewhere or sit at the table and have dinner with you and just be on his phone texting or looking up something. He literally just does nothing in particular and that's his service. There are other people who do a service of being something in particular for you, but his service is specifically to do nothing in particular with you. And he sees about two people a day. <laughs> what I liked about him is he has now has this large following on social media, but it doesn't seem to be affecting his attitude He's a very ordinary looking guy and he doesn't do anything about that, doesn't try to look anything better or different to what he is. And uh, in this article he was saying, we should just be okay to be really ordinary and we shouldn't define ourselves by anything that we do or achieve. Just our mere existence is enough. I, th I think that's so beautiful. Of course, this was just an article, so I don't know him at all, but it gave me a feeling that this is maybe someone who's quite comfortable in his own skin and likes himself without having to prove anything. It's not based, it's not conditioned. It's just his mere existence is enough. And by being just totally ordinary with people, he says he's hoping to, you know, help other people feel okay to just be fine. I thought that was really lovely. And that also doesn't mean that if you have a tendency towards industriousness, you don't go off and be industrious. You know? uh, we don't have to all do nothing in particular. Some of us like doing lots of things, and that's fine too. You can do lots of things, or do some things, or do nothing much in particular. So I'll finish there.